This took time. Oh, I'm forgetting the 40 minutes of banter. Never mind. The Sunday Skypers. Burning Beards. If you remember last time, which was a long time ago, we ended on the note of uh, in the throne room with uh, Fena Seneschal producing Slate's medical satchel. Pretty much, Fandral and Fena had reached a point where uh, they were like, "Okay, well, I want the throne. Well, you're not having the throne. You have no claim to it. Well, you have no claim to it, right?" So they produced the satchel as a sort of proof that we have some of your people, and you know, you're going to evacuate this place, the throne anyway, or. Bad things will happen. So is this a, it's time for a flashback? Uh, yeah, we're, we're going to go back in time slightly, uh, like a little bit to see like what exactly is happening with Slate and stuff. But the first thing I would like two of you to do, uh, Todd and John, would be to write beliefs about the situation as it stands right now in the throne room, right? Um, they just revealed um, part of their hand. The way Fandral's beliefs are set up, it seems to be to be a like this is going to be some kind of dual wits or um, like verbal exchange at least to begin with. Whether it ends up in a different place later is, is you know up to you guys. Uh, but you may want to write a belief about you know either Fena or the situation or like helping Fandral or maybe you have your own agenda. Like maybe you would prefer that. Um, there's a conflict. I wouldn't, but you know, um, no. maybe you do, or maybe, you know, your overarching belief is going to just be, you know, Ooh, war between dwarves, bad thing. This will not happen. Right. I, I'll, I'll make sure that this doesn't happen. In that case, if we go to a duel wits, you could support either side in different no, actions, no. according to what you believe like would be the best outcome. Well, seeing that my prince is, Going out of his way to help me get my get my breweries. I'm putting down. I will back my prince to the hilt. Awesome. Of course, Fandral has my axe. But, uh, <laughs> is that your ass or your axe? But does he have your mouth? That, that may be more important right now. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you'd amend one of your beliefs, or or like um, maybe there's a particular belief that isn't super relevant uh, at present. Like maybe for. I think uh-huh. Scout Scoria Deep and Learner Secrets uh, is going to go well. See, the the, the hidden retreat's probably further in the future. Mm-hmm. It, maybe I should set that aside for something more immediate. Sure, and if, just because you've set it aside doesn't mean you don't believe it or want to pursue it. It's just not immediately actionable. Yeah, yeah I already put, posted mine. Oh, oh, right. Okay. All right. So you, you, uh, you, you're. Setting the the elf spirit aside for the present. That seems appropriate. Well, the fire demon, yeah. (laughs) Tomato, tomato. And I think for Slate, we're probably going to jump in to a little, like, like a a day earlier. And then you're going to be able to decide if you want to keep particular uh, beliefs or if you want to rewrite something or add something to something, depending on, you know, where you find yourself. Okay. Cool. Let's see, I think that's that's it. Cause um, you didn't change your beliefs since last time, right, Dirk? No, I think okay. No, they're good. They're the same as as um as earlier. Securing the freedom of the hostages and convincing Fana to support your rule. Mm, relevant. Yep, absolutely. So, what did you write then, um, Flint? Uh, oh, back Fandral's claim to the throne. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> It's probably a good idea to back him. All right. I think we're going to start somewhere else. Um, somewhere other than the two possible, like, scary places where things will hit the fan. And it is in a dimly lit, dwarven-made storeroom. And it has, like, if, if you know, for people who follow the series for a while, right, we, we recognize the Scoria architecture. In the little like details, uh, and there's a like a big stone slab in the middle, and on this slab we have the body of um, Lord Rom. He's just really laid out nude on this like on these furs. These six women 
come into the room, they're they're sort of old and gray and wrinkly and and uh, stuff, and they have that like this sort of faded reddish paint on them. They begin to to dress his his body, his corpse in these robes of of red and black, and they begin to to uh, adorn his his um, limbs with these um, like coppery uh, adornments and jewelries. We can see that his head has been sewn back on his body, uh, but he's clearly dead, like dead as a doornail dead. All through the scene, there's like, instead of a, any kind of soundtrack or, or ambience, or rather there, there is an ambience, and it is this sort of low, rhythmic, ragged breathing that makes a sort of, sort of unreal rhythm. The final thing they do is they stain his forehead anew in, with red. We cut from that, and we still hear the sort of breathing rhythm, and we're in a different room. It's it's sort of warmly lit. There are um, preserved dwarf-made benches and stuff all around. It's still We're still in Scoria. In the center of the room is, he gods, uh, <laughs> Lady Villari, right? And she's just standing there, arms out, and she's being dressed by a, a small horde of servants. She's being fitted with, like, these, uh, like, clearly hidden away fineries that that you know she hasn't worn in ages from the the pre-exile days right this uh robe-like gown uh that's all like it has these all like fiery flashing jewels and, and bits of copper and and stuff uh and it's like red and black and yellow uh and she's being fitted with this sort of it looks kind of kind of like a cross between a helmet with a nose piece and a, a coiffer like um sort of a, a, a headdress uh, and it has all these like fiery flaming plumes up top, and the the sort of nose piece doesn't like go down in a in to obscure her face. It sort of bends outward and and gives the impression of a sort of maybe a, a symbolic dragon's snout. And the breathing continues, and we see that the a, a boy comes into the room. For people who've been paying attention, we recognize the boy as the boy, the like errand boy we've seen before. He comes up and he pull, pulls on one of the, the servant's sleeves and he like whispers something in their ear and they, you know, nod and send him away and they move over to, Fe- to Fena, you gods, Vilari, and whispers something in her ear and she nods and she says calmly that, uh, good, keep me informed. The servant, uh, you know, scurries off. Vilari looks herself over in, in a tall dwarf made mirror, right? Which is this like exquisite, polished, sheet of metal with all these like fabulous dwarf made um little little, like details in the frame these little like uh feet that look like look like um lion's feet or something on the floor she nods to herself and then uh, she says to her servants well then let's begin and we cut to outside of of her dwelling right this big big dwarf hall that she's occupied and she she steps out in you know full regal attire and we we see this sea of Serpent worshippers just standing in the streets waiting, and she looks down to her like left down the steps, and beside like ground level, these six women ap- appear out of a small room or door. Six more men appear with Lord Ram's body on a bier, like a funeral bed that they're carrying. She considers that for a moment, and then she looks to her side, and we see the servant with the the axe, the big huge axe with the dragon motifs in in uh, Koftgari, like filigreed gold. And she begins to sort of step down and it's sort of breathing intensifies. And we, ca- we can see her look out over the heads of, of all the, the gathering and, and sort of the camera follows her gaze. And we see that the entire like main thoroughfare of Scoria is almost like completely packed with these people, except for a, a section in the sort of middle where there's there's an opening and we see the collaboration between the humans and the the dwarves in making like a a pyre we see the funeral pyre prepared and beyond it we see rising up toward the throne room like the the small clump of of brekia dwarves waiting on the steps and and you know the moral dwarves standing guard and and observing and let's cut to the throne room the funeral is or the burning shall we say it's underway while for effect, like we see the the satchel hitting the polished marmorian floor with this sort of too heavy sound, like boom, right? And it sort of skids a little. And we see that it, you know, it's in front of the throne where Fandral sits. And we see the sort of folksy 
like endearing but also infuriating satisfaction on Seneschal Gurm's wizened old face in that sort of Gandalf way. Like, got you now. And Fenna's impassive face as she studies Fandral, what he'll say, what he'll do. Let's uh, remind ourselves where we were uh, position-wise, because I think you guys were on a few were a few steps down, right? You weren't on the topmost flight with Fandral. Yeah, we're down a level side by side, you know, making uh, uh, side comments. Full snark. Full snark. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's the thing that that one of you says to the other when when they like reveal this, this satchel? The room is made to project what's happening on the on the top. Uh, tier. So mm. you, you can hear Fena say, like, I thought you would be difficult. You know, they produce the satchel and, and say, you know, we have some of your people and a good prince would put them in front, you know, before his own ambitions, right? Something like that. It's a really dirty move. Okay. Well, assuming that Flint can whisper so as not to be, uh, heard, he'll tell, he'll tell <laughs> Ufkel. I think we got better hostages than she does. What do you mean, lad? Just with my eyebrows, I point uh, at her. Well, that wouldn't be that wouldn't be right. Oh, don't, don't forget the other eight like axe bearers she has on your flight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course, you have more axe bearers in the hall. So she came here under the flag. We wouldn't do that, her, would we? <laughs> <laughs> oh, besides, she's family. I just roll my eyes. She's here to blackmail the prince. She's here having a discussion with her brother. This is primogenitor stuff, you know. Ah, bull. She's threatening the lives of one of ours as a bargaining chip. We don't know if she's threatening anyone. For all we know, Slate's holed up someplace, hiding from them, and he dropped his pet satchel, getting away from them. I just, ooh, have look, we seen, got you. Have you ever seen Slate misplace his stat- satchel? I didn't say he misplaced it. I mean, he dropped it because he needed to get someplace and he couldn't fit in there with it or something. Here's stretching stone into a new shape. (laughs) (laughs) Nice proverb or or phrase. (laughs) But you're you're mining where there's no ore. (laughs) Okay, Okay, let's cut this off before you fall into like the the simile war. (laughs) Fandle, you've just been like given this bomb. And I guess you've come to a decision about what you want to do about it. So, um, I, I, how do you want to handle this? Well, are we going to start a duel of wits here? Uh, we can go right into that if you want. Uh, but I don't want to force you into doing it. You could, I mean, you could handle it any number of ways. Maybe, I, I suppose, uh, an attempt to capture and then counter negotiate. I'm, I'm sure you can figure out more ways than just a duel of wits if you're, if you're hesitant about it. But otherwise, uh, we can totally jump into the old wits and, and we can have Ofkel and, and Flint, uh, you know, helping you out on, on your, you know, points and moves. Oh, yeah, I'm sure, uh, Fandral thinks he can talk his way out of this one. Awesome. Cool. Talking it is. We could, I suppose, break this into two different arguments. One about what to do with the hostages and one about your, uh, succession stuff. On the other hand, the hostages are kind of part and partial to her argument at present. If I, if I win the, uh, I'm in charge here, then there are no hostages anymore. Yeah, indeed. That, that, that's also a good point. So let's, let's make it a single deal. Let's, let's start with the statement of purpose, shall we? Each side briefly describes their point and why they are right. So I guess going from last time, Fana's statement of purpose is, Fandral is not the first in order to inherit. It's not his right, but hers. And she wants him to give that up, to, to surrender the, you know, her birthright to her. That's her statement of purpose. Can we throw in any snark? How do you mean snark? Uh, possession is 100% of the law. <laughs> if that is your point, that is your point, right? So are we actually su- supposed to contribute or, or, or am I sidelining? When, uh, Dirk, scripts and reveals what he scripted, whether it's like a point or, you know, whatever, whatever the point or, or move he makes, uh, you can always add to it by helping. You can help with, you know, maybe intimidation or clan wise, clan history or, you know, whatever it seems appropriate. We can help if we have appropriate skills for what he scripted. 
Um, yes and no. If you have a, like a wise that you want to bring in, bring in like something, something appropriate that works with his point, I'm not going to say uh, that's not on the list. I'm going to be, oh, cool. If, if Slate were here and had like rule of law, I think that's one of Slate's skills, right? Uh, no. No? Uh, it's kings. He's in chronology of kings, right? That's what you have. Like maybe you could come up with some, some succession story. That has an example, you know, the courtly bullshit where you go blah blah versus blah blah. In this case, they did this, right? There's a precedent for setting the firstborn aside or something. If that's your argument, totally you could help with chronology of kings. Ah, there you go. Any comments from the others here on my uh, statement? Oh, that is, that is a great, that is great. Why are you right though? Because I'm the designated heir to the throne and I've taken the throne back. All right. Cool. In that case, we go to terms. She will recognize me as the ruler of Scoria and yep. support the reestablishment of the dwarves in Scoria, which means not taking them hostage. I guess you mean she should surrender her primacy, right? Her notions of primacy and support you. Yeah. And if she wins, you will surrender your <laughs> claim to, um, to the throne and... Um, support her as as your elder sibling and this is like if you totally demolish her this is exactly what she'll do and if she totally demolishes you then you know you have to do what she uh, so now we know like how how to get at concessions no it's only fandrels and fenna's point totals we don't get to add to their uh, their hit points so to speak no no you don't this is totally a big deal. Uh, yeah. <laughs> We're just going to add the will exponent, your will exponent to your skill exponent. Uh, and you're going to pick a main dueling skill. Depends a little on how you want to approach this. If you want to, if you use oratory, then it's like, this is what you should do. And, and all the other dwarves can hear me and they, they will support me when I'm right. If it's persuasion and it's more, you know, I'm right. You know, I'm right. And it's less about the, the others. I will go persuasion. Cool. That seems very fandral. In that case, you just add your exponent to your will exponent, and that is your body of argument. I'm going to write up hers. And she's going to be a little dwarfier than you. What? <laughs> Inconceivable. Yeah. She's going to use stupid <laughs> So, So that is like the dwarf version of oratory and, and speaking very loudly. Fenna's will is six. Her exponent is five. So that's a body of argument of 11. And it's a nice body she has. Bum, bum. Right, we should check your various traits, see if there are any that could conceivably add to your body of argument. Vergar's gonna, we're both gonna have that, right? Yeah. Uh, you do have both Driven and Baleful Stare, which you can use if things don't go your way in, in roles. Oh, so yeah. that's something to consider. Alright, I need to check hers. Because of a certain trait, I'm going to raise her body of argument to 13. My, uh, Undaunted help me out, because I have no doubt that, uh, I'm right and can convince her. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Let, let's add a let's add a die for that. That's cool. This is just you know <laughs> another day at court. <laughs> <laughs> so in that case, we can start scripting. Like for Fandal's side, you're gonna get the most out of moves, obviously that that use the skill you want to use, like persuasion. I guess you have oratory as well. Uh, so for you, it would be stuff like um, fainting, pointing, making rebuttals. You have both command and intimidation, so you could incite, try to make her hesitate. And I'm going to script according to her character, so this is going to be fun. It's good when you have, like, characters with with very distinct traits and beliefs, so you're like, oh, I could script this way, but she wouldn't. (laughs) Okay, so when you script, uh, as you know, you just, you know, pick one of the actions per volley until you've picked three. Um, One for each. Done? Yeah. Okay. In that case, let's reveal our first, our first volley. I think, uh, first, I'm going to be spending some Artha. Sure. Oh, I see. Okay. Oh, this would totally be the time to, to use, uh, epiphanies and such. Yeah. I have an epiphany. Ingratiate <laughs> <laughs> my persuasion. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Cool. Very cool. Remember to record all that, uh, Artha on your skill. It's five fate, three persona, and one deeds. It's costly. It is. And we start revealing. First volley, I, or Fena, has an insight. I had a rebuttal. A rebuttal. Interesting. So let's, let's compare those. I do nothing. You do nothing. 
So you're sort of sitting there waiting for her to come out with like this um, thunderous point for you to address. But she doesn't come out into a point. She just insults you. Inside. That is childish. It is very <laughs> her. <laughs> you're a slob. Look at this place. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. So she is using, I guess, ugly truth. So she just comes right out and, and says, Fandral, you're not a prince. You are a puppet of your father's. Or she says, you know, you're just a puppet of your father's. Like, as if what you say has no merit at all. You don't have your own will. And I guess I'm going to fork in conspicuous. That isn't on the list for insight. Oh, uh, it's what it tests. But you can fork in other stuff. I, can't, I, can't, I couldn't use conspicuous to make the um, the insult yeah. in the in the duel wits. Yeah. I can fork in other stuff. The obstacle is Fandral's will, since uh, there are special rules for the duel wits. Good luck with that, Fenna. I'm checking her wisest. I don't think she has anything really, really great here. Maybe hypocritical bastards wise, but I don't know. That's calling for a judgment call on Fenn. I've made straight. No, I'm I'm just gonna go with uh, her intimidation plus conspicuous because she's just making a show. And let's see, Seneschal Gurm, what are you doing, you handsome young knave? He is gonna help her with the course persuasion. And what he does is he says, like he he pours on that Gandalf esque charm. He says, or maybe he doesn't. God. Okay. Uh, he does, and and um. He says... He's not going to use seduction on me, right? No, 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 no. He's going to use... Because <laughs> it's really that that thing. Stop interrupting me. Ah! <laughs> My brain is going six ways at, at the same time. I had it. Stuff you. I guess since since I can't reach... Uh, like uh, I guess he's hesitating. There. Solved. Let's go to dice. <laughs> I, I think he was also like, what? You're starting with an, with an insult? That was a bit uncalled for. <laughs> That's totally what he does. Oh, man. Four successes and three sixes. Hmm. What's your, what's your will again? Six. Yeah, I guess I'm going to spend a fate. Okay, here we go. Her, she, she's exploding the sixes. And only one more success. So it is, in fact, unsuccessful. I get an extra die, right? To my next. I think so. The margin of failure is added to the advantage dies to the opponent's next test. Awesome. So, Fandral sits unfazed. He didn't get to make his rebuttal, but doesn't touch him. We'll just, uh, smile. <laughs> Any, like, what's happening in the, in the, like, uh, peanut galleries? Any little elements from, from, from Flint or Olkel? Well, do you want to start or do you shell? want me? <laughs> Go ahead, you start. <laughs> okay. I'll flinch and go, Oh, does she kiss her mother with that mouth? Mm, he's his own dwarf. He's not the puppet. He doesn't got his father's hand up his arse. <laughs> and on that note, we go to holy number two. I'm going for a point. Oh, she is too. So that's excellent. Mm. So you just make your points. And this is like, mm. you're not rebutting each other. You're not even listening to each other. You're just saying your your thing. So you're probably speaking in each other's mouths, um, <laughs> which is very dwarfy. That's what better than speaking into your beard. Your treatment of dwarves who have done you no harm shows what a poor leader you are. Awesome. That is going to hurt. <laughs> Truth always does. <laughs> I can fork in oratory, obviously. Oh, yeah. And if you guys want to help Fandral, you can pipe up. Well, sure. What manner of dwarf comes with blackmail in her heart? Yeah. Is that intimidating? <laughs> Well, it's actually scorn, but I'm not sure. <laughs> that, is, that is totally that is the equivalent of an insight action in in um in the scripts. So you could totally use intimidation to help Vandal. Oh, sure, helping. And Ufkil crosses arm as a as a dwarf who commands several uh, other dwarves underneath him. Uh, there are better ways of of getting your way instead of you know using that mouth. Uh, I doubt you ever kiss your mother with. It's interesting that you're jumping to that, even though, okay, Puppet might have been over the line, but it's not like she called him something filthy. <laughs> oh, it's a disrespectful tone. Yeah, yeah, it's a tone. Okay, yeah. fair enough. Sadly, that is intimidation, isn't it? Do you have a, a different skill that you could... Um... I have course persuasion, but it's only a B3. That uh, That would work. 
That gives him a die. Okay. So Fenna says, the right to the throne is mine and I will have it. Really just, you know. And of course, you're not listening to each other and you're not, you know, just talking. What, did, did she throw in pouty lips? <laughs> <laughs> she is not. Okay, I should describe her demeanor. Like, she is kind of like Fandral. She has a very regal bearing. But more so than Fandral, she is, she's even more stony-faced than he is. So when she says something, it's more like the world around her moves than she than she does, right? She just just opens her mouth and it's it's as if she gives the impression as if she had just been jumping up and down and, you know, unleashed this this tirade, but she doesn't actually really move. So That's I see her being played of an axe handle up your arse. <laughs> Remember that this is absolutely part and parcel of your greed. Yeah. So if if ever you need extra dice, remember that you can always tap it. Then we get a crappy prince as a result. Thanks. <laughs> that wouldn't be ah, so bad, would it? <laughs> I've won a throne, and now I'm a tyrant! <laughs> Dick and how's that, how, how's that any different? <laughs> well, warrior prince I can trust with his axe. A greedy yeah. prince, uh, you guard your oh. pockets. Yeah, what the hell? We'll throw we'll throw in a routine greed here to give me four more dice. Awesome! If you roll really well here, you could actually take her out. Come on, melt her face off! <laughs> yeah, but when have I ever rolled really well? Because now is the time. None. Wow! Two sixes. Oh, you're not going to take her out, but you are going to hurt her a lot. Is this open ended, or does he burn a fate? Yeah, he'll have to burn a fate to open ended. Uh, well, we might as well do that. Ten. Hey, ten. Okay, let's reduce her body of argument. That is a big see how, blow. See how well she does, though. Like this, this is like the hurt game. <laughs> when no, none of you are actually protecting yourselves and like stabbing each other. She's going to use a Stentorious Debate, uh, which is five. She's going to fork in an Intimidation for six. Don't think she has anything really, well, conspicuous. So seven. And I'm going to... Fall back on Gurm, who's going to use his folksy affableness to say, you know she is correct in this. In his two coarse persuasion dice. So nine for her. Shouldn't be too bad. These are also gray, though, so um, it could hurt. Six. One six. Well, I really have nothing to lose. I'll, I'll use a... um face. No! So six minus on your, your body of argument. So she is currently down to three. So, my liege, what's your next move? That's another point. Oh, it is, is it? Hers is a rebuttal. That's handy for me, but I'll have to divvy up my dice. It's a versus test. It is. She's doing the the, the, the verbal version of a riposte, so she's defending and then counterpointing. So, I guess Fandral will have to make his point first. Uh, and then, you know, you, we'll, div- we'll add the dice, maybe from you helping dwarves and, and others. And then she'll... Rebut. So again, concisely, what, what's Fandral saying with his new point? Oh, and remember that you're using persuasion, right? So you're appealing to her? I said I would reclaim the throne. I've done this. Any misdeeds by our father have nothing to do with me and my ability to rule. If anything, it should be a lesson to not fight amongst ourselves. Cool. How do I rebut that? <laughs> ooh, ooh, we still get our help, though, don't we? We get the help. Yes, 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 absolutely. By all means. Remember, blood is thicker than water. You have both family. You should, you know, act like brother and sister instead that, of enemies. That is so coarse <laughs> persuasion. Couldn't be more coarse persuasion. <laughs> and I'm going to take the opposite tack. The prince uh, gained this throne by right of the axe. He slew goblins, torched spiders. He's earned this. Thank you. Thank you, Todd. Thank you, Todd. <laughs> Thank you, Todd. That's one die each from you guys? Yeah. Yep. Okay. And it's your persuasion, uh, Dirk, and any forks and anything else you want to use. Oratory. I guess conspicuous, if that's... She's been using Sure, it. sure, sure. Vandal's die is how many dice? Bro, one couple more persona, so we'll go to 12. Cool. Probably going to take her out no matter what. When When... Flint mentions that Fandral has earned this, especially when he like mentions goblins. Fena turns to Flint 
and she lifts the necklace with the 66 uh, goblin tribe leader's ears on, and she just glares at you like you have no idea what you're saying. Like, and she, and she says, and I, have I not earned? I who should not have had to earn? And she turns to Fandle and she says, the machinations of our bastard father nevertheless stand, and it is my right to sit on that throne. And, you know, she points to the dragon throne. And you can almost see the greed gleam in her eyes. Gurm, like, he sort of stands there. He's, he's begun to light his pipe. Uh, and he sort of does this sort of offhanded, like, sort of shakes the lighting stick, sort of, and looks up for you, at you, Fandle, like, oh, so, sort of from a, the corner of his eye. Don't be bullheaded, young prince. You know you are wrong. So that's help from him. It's too, what you using? Uh, Stentorius debate. I guess. I really need to wipe that, that smile nope. off his face. <laughs> <laughs> like nothing that he's doing is actually, it's, it's annoyingly endearing. It's like, like that's annoying, <laughs> hey. but I can't hate him. <laughs> right? He's being Wilford Grimley. Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> I could be oddly likable. I mean, like, you know, well, like, I, I got the cute puppy dog uh, bandages going on. And it's like, <laughs> I'll, I'll scoff at her ears. I don't see any trolls there. <laughs> or the spiders. <laughs> Giant beetles. What the heck on a spider would you put on a necklace? Mandibles. Fangs. Eight giant legs dragging behind you. <laughs> make a, cake make out a of cloak? Them. Yes. I was going to say, make a cloak out of them. <laughs> it's Stentorius debate. It is, fuck it. I'm going to, I'm going to fork in conspicuous <laughs> command, intimidation. Command? Real? I don't think command. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Just really digging deep. I should get a fork in command then. Sure. 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 Add it. They're really forking each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they all pull each other over, seriously, yeah. But just remember, it's about volume, and uh, he's got home court advantage. I know just the right spot to stand here where it echoes the most. Oh, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. You should have, like, Dwarven Halls wise or something. <laughs> <laughs> or at least score your throne room wise. <laughs> Why not? I mean, you got your initials carved in there, you vandal. <laughs> That's three, uh, two from Gurm, so that's, that's ten. Uh, play dirty or don't play dirty. Um, fuck it. Uh, I'm gonna spend a persona and tap a greed. Her well, it's, it's obvious she's frothing. Her full eight dice, so eighteen. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna divide them, I think I'm gonna defend with ten and attack with eight. Let's, let's find yes. a roll first. Oh, very nice, and you have sixes. And, um, Using my call-on trait to re-roll traitors, right? I can use, do that as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, And it's gray, so um, so it's... Oh, fuck! <laughs> I've been rolling against four. I should have been rolling against three. Oh, well. You know, screw it. I'll roll against three from now on. So that means I have uh, five traitors to re-roll. Awesome. So three more, and since I spent that fate... Keep rolling the sixes. So that's... 10, 14. Holy cats. That is, serious, that is some serious teamwork. <laughs> okay, okay. She has uh, the quick-witted trait, so that's another die to rebuttal actions. But that's not going to make any difference, I think. Because it's 11, 8. Defense first. And she has 9, 3, 6s. I'll fake that. 3, 6s? So, oh, that's 2. So 11 defense. But that's still going to reduce her to 0, right? Just enough, yeah. Mm-hmm. She yep. is out. Ding, 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 but she ding. still gets gets to lodge her poisonous barb before she leaves. Oh so. yeah. Okay. And that was eight, four, and one six. I'm gonna treat these as two different roles. I think that's fair. I'm gonna spend her black fate one. So five successes. Does that reduce you to zero? No, nope, I'm at two. Oh, cool. Awesome. Yeah, there's no Christmas cards this year for the for the family. She is out. Which means, now, shocking defeat. A uh, character who has lost an Adulawis must make a steel test. Uh, reduced below zero, which it was, I think, by one. She had, had three, and you did four. Those dice are added to the hesitation obstacle. While the loser hesitates, the victor is free to gloat, run him through, exit stage left, or offer a verbal coup de grace. I think maybe she's made her, her counterpoint, and then it sinks in, what you've said. Like, she answered to answer, and then, you know, it dawns on her that, that she doesn't have the support here. <laughs> like, I think, 
the Brekia dwarves on the same flight as Flint and Fandral, like they begin to sort of mumble in not confusion, but like uncertainty. And mm-hmm. that's, that's part of what sort of sets her off. This Ulfkill reaches behind, pulls out his, his keg and walks over to one, pops the cork and says, beer? <laughs> yeah, you better start mending bridges fast. <laughs> <laughs> what was the obstacle? Oh, her hesitation. Okay. Uh, and an extra dice is a five, and I have to roll six. Two nope. successes. Okay, so she's standing there for three, three whole actions, and it shows. Like, she, she, does, she didn't really, like, it was only the last rebuttal where you actually hit a, so- a sore spot with, with like, Flint's Flint's shaming, if you will, or point, uh, that she actually slipped a little, but now she's like, she's, she's properly stunned. She's just standing there, like, as Fandral's words are sinking in. So, is there anything in particular that, that Fandral would like to do while she's stunned? He'll go appealing to the room as, as well. Just, We're all dwarves. Scoria is, is the legacy for, for all dwarves. We should, Unite in reclaiming and repopulating Scoria, not be bickering amongst ourselves, and I will ensure that this happens. Very cool. We're going to be getting to compromise, I know, because I got slammed good as well. So. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to give a solid compromise, but but she lost, so she still has to, you know, abide by your... Uh, mm-hmm. Now, what was Flint going to do? He's going to move up to the same level as uh, Phantom. He'll, he'll just whisper to her, says, Good try, lass, but you're not the first head to roll before the prince. Oh, there's like, <clears throat> I think that's right about when she sort of snaps out of it. And there's it a, beats me to death. <laughs> there's a definite no. move toward the hatchet in her belt. And there's a, like, you can see there's a significant effort happening on her part not to act on her first instinct. I'm oddly likable. <laughs> I'm going to put a hand on her shoulder, and as my sister and Princess of Brekia, you will always have an honored place here in Scoria. Let us talk of how we can rebuild Scoria and take it back from the forces of darkness. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. And as you do that, a Gurm, I think, clasps Flint's shoulder in a similar way. And he sort of nudges at you, uh, toward you with his, you know, pipe. And he says in that sort of grandfatherly, friendly way, you speak surprisingly well for uh, an ex-bearer. He sort of gives you that sort of questioning, sort of as he looks you over. Perhaps you should consider a career in uh, politics. My beard is not that gray yet. Is that your reply? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It's never too early for new blood. He goes, I'm playing it like he's 90. Uh, yeah. Like he has slightly more, you know, oomph in his... Um, in his. Oh, yeah. He's southern gentleman charm. Yeah. <laughs> Except he's from the north. So I guess, yeah, whatever. So Fanna looks at Fandral, and uh, you can see, like, the cogs moving in her head. But she doesn't betray what she's feeling. And then she sort of settles from her um, instinctive aggression. And she says... I, there is one thing perhaps that I could concede to under the circumstances. You will take me to wife. <laughs> oh, Should we oh. cut it there to, to like slate? <laughs> as, as everyone's like, <gasps> what? <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute. Did he, did, I'm just, I want to iron this out in my head. Did she just ask her brother to marry her? Oh yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I just had to. Figure that out. We'll iron out the details later. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we got enough for another duel of wits here. (laughs) (laughs) Aren't you betrothed, my liege? (laughs) This is is a solid compromise. We'll get to the specifics, but we'll we'll like go to like black screen or something. No, 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 we pull away and it and it comes on down and it goes on down and it focuses at the satchel and then pulls off the black. So we go to black and then, then we see like, like there's this runic text across the screen, right? And it says, outskirts of Scoria, 11 pints earlier. The, the scene opens with like a, a sort of one quarter speed view of like a, a meaty dwarven fist crashing into the face of Ty the scout. It really connects, right? And Ty's like turning toward the viewer like, whoa! And we see like his 
spittle and blood come out of his mouth, and we can see that his like brow is cut. He's taken one or two punches before, and he collapses to this like dirty stone floor. And above him, we see Sergeant Thod, the burly dwarf with the the fork beard, sort of massaging his knuckles, and Ty's just whimpering on the floor and and going, oh, "What? What? What have you done with? What? What have you done with Slate?" Thought cracks his knuckles a little, and then he, he's he's sort of backlit in the opening to this sort of stone chamber, which appears to be another like dwarfy storeroom. Thought says, "You should concern yourself more with what I will do to you. Now, go see your friends in the corner there. I will be back soon." And he closes this sort of ponderous, half not rotted, but sort of it's clearly time worn, like an old wooden door with like heavy iron braces and stuff, and we can hear the sort of clanging of the door in the in the frame, and we, we hear this sort of really ponderous key-locking sounds, like as if the key is big as a book, and it goes like almost completely dark. I think we cut to a different cell, a different storeroom, where Slate is sitting in the middle of uh, the room, or doing whatever he would do when he's, when he's put in a, in a barren, tiny storeroom uh, as a prisoner. Well, how would he, like, occupy his time when he doesn't have his tools, when he doesn't have his stuff? Probably use it thinking. He spends a lot more time thinking about things than most dwarves do. I- is he, but, like, um, on the walls or on the floor? Or? Uh, he's curled up probably back against the corner because he feels safest there with a corner at his back so nobody can approach him from either side. So we hear, like, the same sort of rattling of key, uh, of the a ponderous key in the door that, that, you know, closes this chamber. And the sort of door slowly opens, and we see this sort of silhouette of a of a dwarf, like you're blinded by the the sudden, slightly blinded anyway. You're a dwarf, so you're used to some of it. Of the like uh, torch light in the background, this dwarf steps inside and closes the door behind him, and we see that it is Seneschal Gurm. He looks around the room and he spots Slate, and he says, "Ah." My apologies for the um, accommodations. And he begins to light his pipe. Nevertheless, I am grateful for the work you have done in patching up our men. It was uh, very gracious of you. And we have this, like, brief flashback in black and white where, like, Slate is checking up on all these, like, axe bearers and scouts in these lacquered wood armor. He's checking bashed feet and uh, scuffed knees, and he's... We see a, a brief uh, like section where he's like sewing a face wound shut, uh, and another where he's like pulling a, a, a goblin arrow out of someone's thigh and sort of patching them up. So we get a sense for like what what he's been doing between meeting Thod and losing the satchel and now all the stuff which he would do. I approve. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm I'm just basing it on what you what we like since Ford asked like, oh, could you have a look at some of our like dudes? And I think yeah, yeah, he oh, did. Yeah, yes, I, yes. And you were separated from Ty, and yeah, now you're suddenly you know after after that gracious gesture, you were thrust in a cell. Probably I'm not talking to this guy much. Mm-hmm. I think I'm a little angry at him. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I'm work- just kind of glaring from the side of the cell. Are you working up to that baleful stare? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, where's my dog? Oh, right. Um, I think you had to leave your dog with Ty just to make sure he, he didn't get into, you know, all the medical stuff. Which Ty, Ty was, is taking you know, good care of dog, I hope. He would, except now he's in the cell. But you don't know that. Okay, I don't I'm know sure, where my I'm dog sure is. I'm sure Slate isn't an idiot. I'm sure he's, he can figure out that Ty's probably been handled similarly. Are you interested enough in, in dog that you would ask? Or? Yes, I would ask. Yeah, okay. I would definitely ask. So that's what breaks the silence? Yeah, where's my dog? <laughs> yeah, so um, Seneschal walks over to the wall opposite and sits down, sort of... Oh, old knees. Your dog, your dog, fine creature, by the way. I haven't seen his kind before. Um, he should be just fine, I... We left him with um, some of the scouts. I think he has taken well to their um, dried rations. Angry? Mm-hmm. <laughs> More than a little angry, but he's not saying anything. Not really. Like, you stole my dog from me. I'm going <laughs> to do something to get dog back. Not quite yet, because I don't quite have an idea where I'm going right now. But yes. So 
The seneschal says, uh, my name is Gurm. I serve the princess Fena, the um, rightful regent of Scoria and all of dwarfdom, really. And he sort of makes this sort of um, Gandalfy, chuffy noises on after that. Well, I was not given your name. It's Slate. An interesting rock. He says that as he's sort of looking off in a corner, like somewhere, as if he's like pondering the meaning of being named Slate. There's no way he's going to give this strange person his last name. It's not happening. No, that's fine. It has come to my attention via the good Sergeant Ford that you had an interest in something. There was a mention of an exchange uh, for your generous services. And it seemed that Ford thought that I might be able to help with this. Perhaps you would like to illuminate this issue. How exactly, because I know what he was looking for, he's looking for information, but how exactly does a dwarf trade for information? I don't know what he would say in this instance. Like, it's more in the, in the execution than the, than the uh, desire itself, I think. It's more about, like, do you trust him to tell the truth? Do you trust him with your, you know, family name? Do you, all that stuff. Do I trust him? Well, he's been nothing but at least civil. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's totally civil. Throwing and, me in a yeah, cell. Yeah. And he's, um, he's sitting down like he's trying to, to make himself sort of make himself comfortable in your circumstances, even though, you know, he could go out of here at any time. All right. Well, I'll trust him then. Ask him or tell him what I'm after, which is like information on the Goodhart family and where they went. And- you you found out that the records of like Goodhart records had been deliberately scratched out mm-hmm. their history, which is why you thought, oh, maybe maybe other places might have have you know records, which is why you went north. He ponders that for a moment and and takes a drag on his pipe and he says, "That is an interesting name. I have not heard it in very long, perhaps even as almost as long as I've been alive. How how is it that a marl dwarf bears a that name?" I don't know if, if Slate knows most of his family history. I don't think he does. I don't think he does, no. He's essentially going to give the adolescent version of uh, go F yourself, so he's just going to shrug. <laughs> it seems that he knows something, but uh, he also seems a bit like maybe reluctant to tell you what that is. Reluctant or delicious? Deliberately withholding information because there's two he's, different. He's deliberately withholding information. That's okay, so he's being devious. You he's can, not being well, reluctant. Not he's devious, being devious necessarily, but he's. It seems like he's fishing for more information before he's willing to vouchsafe what he has or knows. If you want to push him, you could do that. Yeah. Okay. I'll push him. He doesn't really have anything to lose at this point in in the long run, anyway. So <laughs> yeah, he'll push him. Do you intend to use like your course persuasion type of um No, there's no real re- there's no real reason and there's no real way to use uh course persuasion at this point. There would be, but maybe it's not the way Slate would do it. How? He's got absolutely nothing to bargain with like at this the point. He's got the clothes the- on his back. I-, I see what you mean. It's not necessarily about bargaining here. Of course, persuasion is more like, you know, the dwarfy version would be like, oh, you know something. Come on, you can tell me. But that's the course persuasion uh, type of... You uh, could attempt for, yeah. for, like, a more subtle push in the in maybe the way you, you might use soothing platitudes to put him at ease. No, I'm not a threat. That kind of thing. Yeah, I could do... Uh, yeah, something he would do, although he'd put probably a sarcastic slant on all of them <laughs> at this point. <laughs> If you don't put a sarcastic slant on it, you might do maybe soothing platitudes and forking etiquette. Like, I am just a lowly so-and-so, and clearly you have, you know, power and status. How, how would it impact you to let me know? All right, all right, I'll do that. Is that, is that how Slate something. says it? Um, he more, I think, tries to, <laughs> as funny as this is considering how he's sitting right now, he's trying to talk himself out of a corner. Which he's been shown to not be very good at. I think mostly, mostly he's gonna be, yeah, you know, like, you know, you can trust me and I obviously am physically incapable of hurting you. Or I would have already done so. <laughs> yes. I did patch up your men and I don't want to undo my work sort of thing. Oh, right, right, right. Let's not forget that you were actually hurt. 
You are. Oh, I'm still hurt. <laughs> yeah, you are actually still injured. You're, you're so, on. So actually, so it's only a B2 if it's a three. So yeah. Yes. Which, like, if, if you do fork in etiquette, then you have to say, like, you have to work in some kind of uh, etiquette-esque stuff, like mentioning power balance or, or offering him some obsequy or like some, some politeness. Uh, yeah, I can, I can be polite. Teeth grittingly, so. Oh, but, that's, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, I can be polite. All right. Oh, well, we don't need to belabor this anymore. Let's just um, let's do the three dice: soothing platitudes plus etiquette. Now, the <sighs> obstacle is going to be six. Um, oh fuck! Actually, I, I think I think he recognizes your nobility. I think, unless you're trying to disguise that you're. A no, born dwarf. No, I figure he probably already knows. Since. Yeah, uh, in that case, it's a five. I don't even have enough dice to do that. Which means it is going to be a challenging test, and you will have to use persona to even the. Um, so well, I really do want this to succeed, so I'll just spend two yeah. and get two dice. So. Oh, you can spend three and and, and three. get three dice. I'll get three dice. So if you succeed, he's going to release the information he has to you. If you don't. He's going to think that you have something that you're plotting, right? He's going to think that you're you're fishing for information for uh, some intrigue that's going to put him or his princess at possible risk. This may be giving away more more than um, I should, but oh, three and oh, you have two, you have two sixes. All right, I'll spend one fate. Uh-huh. Oh, two traitors. Oh well. You still get to record three uh, persona and one fate on your soothing platitudes skill, and and it was a uh, challenging test because the the Arta dice don't count. Oh, you already have a challenging test there. <laughs> Jeez, oh, that's typical. You, you give your your you know spiel or whatever. You can see Gurm thinking it over, and one of his eyes narrowing as he sort of sucks on the pipe, and then he slowly levers himself up against the wall and stretches his old dwarf shoulders so you can hear the crack you can hear cracks echoing in the bare stone chamber and then he um waves the the pipe around in a sort of non-committant gesture and says i will i will think on all this master slate and i pray you don't have any and then he stops saying what he was about to say and and sort of starts there <laughs> and uh, men- motions off to the door. What do you do? He wants me to get up and go outside, right? Nope, nope, nope. He yeah. he hasn't invited you to leave. He he is himself leaving, but he hasn't left yet. His back is to you. He is an old dwarf. No, I'm not going to take him out. That's mean. <laughs> I mean, maybe maybe you just let him go. I mean, if that. Yeah, I'm just yeah. going to let him go. In which case, he stops in the. Um, in the open doorway, considers you for a moment, and there's this sort of... You see that there's this like, suspicious gleam in his eye before he turns away and the, the axe bearer posted outside, you know, closes the door, and we hear the whole heavy key turning. Maybe the last thing we hear in this scene is like a happy sort of aruf from somewhere in, in the background. My dog, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and then it's blackness again. Here's a question for... for Ari, would you like to amend, like, one of your beliefs, maybe? There's really no reason for me no. to. Okay, actually, we're almost up on time. So, we're, we're back in the throne room, right? And, and uh, yeah. ba- fl- <sighs> E-gods, F-names, yes, Ofkel. Is, <laughs> <laughs> you know, offering to serve them beer? Yeah, and I'm sure Fandral is not, like, you know, what, marry? Uh, don't think so. I think it, it, the response would be... A little chuckle. Oh, you must have a bit of uh, my sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> and she looks at you like dead in the eye and says, Oh, I have no intention of sharing your bed, only your power. This will be a completely, what was the word, platonic arrangement. I think we can arrange a agreement that will not involve marriage. As I said, we will need your help in Fighting back. And I would pledge it as your wife. Absolutely. Fully. <laughs> Got you on the ropes there. It's just so ridiculous that he's... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's 
Uh, and poor, and poor Wolf goes to stand there with a keg of beer and listening to them talk. And he's like, you know, he's like just become a statue at this point. But just his eyes going back and forth. You might just see his lips move a little bit going, married? <laughs> Gorm sort of pipes up. If, if this is something that concerns the prince that he may not, may close other doors, I assure you that at least according to the Brickia laws, it is fully acceptable to have more than one spouse. I don't know what goes on up there in the north, but <laughs> <laughs> but uh, siblings marrying, no, there's none of that. I'm already betrothed. I do not believe that my betrothed would be happy with me marrying my sister. Is she a dwarfess, <laughs> says Venna? Yes, she is. And she will not mind the power and influence and riches that I will bring to your union. I have no interest in offspring. Like I said, I will not share your bed. I will not interfere. I will only have my share of the arrangement. You already have a, a high status as the princess and the sister of the Prince of Scoria. Married would not add to that. She's about to say something, but then there's this huge roar, and it sounds like, like it's, it starts, like perceptive viewers or listeners would have heard this tiny, like, whooshing sound from the beginning of the scene, but now it's building to this enormous, fiery, crazy crescendo, and it, it pierces even the almost soundproof dwarf doors of the, um, the throne room. The dwarves begin to sort of uh, stir and, and go, oh, what? The mountain begins to move under the this sort of great roar and vibrate. And everyone's like, oh, what, you know, we're, what is this cataclysm? I think we need to postpone this conversation at another time. We have more pressing matters. Agreed, says Fano. <laughs> yeah, the kid goes on yeah. the floor, the axe goes in the hand. She begins rushing down uh, to the, um, the doors. Yes. That's... You too, okay. We have this scene mm-hmm. of like the doors opening and all, all we see from your perspective is like this great fire bright, like sun bright light and the, the roar becomes even louder. We see Fena shielding her eyes and face from both this, what seems like a, a huge blast breath of sorcerous fire, right? It's not f- flames, but it's the, the, the heat uh, emanating into it. And, you know, the dwarves are, like, covering themselves and music picks up to, to dramatic, to a dramatic crescendo as well. And that's when we close this session. Oh, that's evil. <laughs> Well-timed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, we had to. We'll get into, you know, the particulars of what happened um, next time. Oh, and definitely, for the tide compromise, we have to reach, uh, like, a conclusion. Uh, if Fandor's absolutely, absolutely, absolutely against this idea, Fena has to step down and, and find a different, like, uh, compromise. But it, it could be fun to, like, uh, and it was fun to entertain the idea for a moment. Watch the horrified look on his face. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go to Art Awards. Let's start with um, Slate, since mm-hmm. the only real belief stuff yeah. we touched upon there touched upon that was the finding out information, uh, and that's a fate point. That's it for belief-specific uh, stuff. Let's go up to Ulfkel. You certainly backed your prince to the hilt. We concluded the argument, right? So uh, that's a persona point. Bit of a concise session. I don't think any of your traits really got you in trouble or pushed the story in a new direction. For Flint, you certainly backed Fandral's claim to the throne, and you certainly succeeded. That's a persona point. I'm also going to award you a, a humor fate. Your, yours and Ulfkel's banter was uh, good fun. It's good to be the heckle and juggle. <laughs> and for Fandral, I think both of your beliefs were resolved, right? Because she's, she's going to support your rule either way. You're just going to have to make a little concession. And watch and that, your back. Yeah, and that includes <laughs> releasing the hostages. There are no, there's no point to hostages anymore. So two persona points. I'm, I'm inclined to award you a fate point for like restoring your family's prestige. I mean, you're sort of mm-hmm. embodying what the families should be about. That's the plan. Uniting, being great. So that's a fate. <laughs> Or unite, less decapitate. Yes, yes. Uh, and definitely take an embodiment persona for, for like the dual wits and the speeches and stuff. All of you actually. So, uh, finally guys, we have workhorse and MVP. Fandral. This, this, these yeah. feel like <laughs> the throne room scene type of awards, right? Mm-hmm. So is there any, anyone in particular that you would like to award workhorse 
toe for toe, die for die, Wolf Kill and Flint are tied. But you got the biggest raise though, rise over though, with your comments. So I actually would say Flint. I would go, who needs it more? <laughs> if you, if you, in that case, I just, I, I, I have eight, 14 fate, eight persona. I think I'm okay in persona. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> you blow me out of the water in persona. <laughs> I'll, I'll shamelessly take that. Cool. MVP? Yeah. Damn, you couldn't have done it without him? Uh, yeah, Tandrel. I believe that's Mr. Dice. <laughs> persona is needed. <laughs> Excellent. Whenever next session happens, I'm, we're going to tie up, like, the questions. You're gonna you're gonna understand what's happening, uh, mm-hmm. and that's the cliffhanger we're gonna go to for the hiatus. Uh, blow so, our special effects on fire and smoke. Yes, we're we're gonna do that. Then we're gonna have the trait vote. We're gonna think back on the twenty odd sessions we've had without one, um, <laughs> and and consider you know traits to add, traits to remove. That's mm-hmm. a thing. maybe add reputations, stuff like that, and that that's gonna be the it for for this season. All right, I, 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 I was surprised at how exciting the Duel of Wits got. I was expecting it to be a bit of a slog. I enjoyed that. Supposedly, this game works well. Before you go with him, you got a, a feedback. That person called you a great GM, and you do Gurm wonderfully. Cool, cool, cool. Um, I think uh, they give you guys too little credit, but fair enough. <laughs> Thank you for the feedback, whoever said that. Uh, I don't have it up right now, but uh, yeah, it's over in the Burning Beard group in Google+. Plus. So. Okay, I'll go. I'll go check that out. I no, should get a, an account one of these days. Anyway, let's let <laughs> you go. <laughs> All right. All right. Thank you for playing, guys. Oh, yeah, bye. Uh, basically, they have a censored version in uh, on YouTube, but you have to go to the Vimeo to get the uncensored version because, you know... Penny shots. <laughs> yeah, stuff. <laughs> uh, uh, I believe and, the technical uh, term is fan service. It's the tag where I mentioned you can go to our page at sunday-skypers.podbean.com, find links to all of our episodes, links to our Facebook page and MeWe page. You can email us at sundayskypers at zoho.com. It'd also be nice if you gave us a rating or review on iTunes or the podcast app of your choice. And that's all I got.